was just a few days ago that, that we were laughing, telling stories and sharing meals. How could this be? I wanted to. I tried, but I couldn't move. to a new day. It was unexpected. They were expecting a conquering hero. But they got a crucified friend. They were expecting a king claiming victory. But they found a cold, borrowed tomb. They were expecting to celebrate together. And instead, they were mourning alone. Everything that they expected changed. Everything they expected died. But that's also where the unexpected begins. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me on your tablets or on your smartphones uh, over to John's Gospel. The New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at John chapter 20, and the verse is going to be on the screen here as well as we kind of walk through this story today. But here is where the unexpected begins. Verse 1 of chapter 20 in the Gospel of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went into the tomb. Now, Mary was a woman who, before Jesus, had been someone who was plagued with a a psychotic disorder that resulted in some chronic violent seizures. But after she met Jesus, she was healed. She was free. And her life was completely transformed. After, afterward, Mary became one of, her, one of his followers. She was a disciple. She wanted everybody else to experience what she had experienced. And Mary had high hopes for Jesus. She believed that he was everything that he said that he was. She believed that he was the long-awaited Messiah. Yet, What she hoped for, what she expected, died. But then Sunday morning came. And Mary woke up early. It was still dark. Even though her heart was broken, even though she couldn't really make sense of it all, she made her way to the tomb. She was grateful for what Jesus had had done for her. So she went to the tomb to see if she could somehow get someone or a lot of someones to, to move the stone away. 
so that she could anoint his body with spices to prepare it for burial. And here's the most important part. When Mary went to the tomb that Sunday morning, she expected to find Jesus' body. Yet, when she arrived at the tomb, look at verse 1. It says that she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, Mary's first assumption here was that somebody had broken into the tomb and stolen the body. You know why? She wasn't expecting to find Jesus alive. She wasn't expecting the resurrection. Nobody was, nobody expected to find nobody. I want you to say that with me. Nobody expected to find nobody. Say it with me again. Nobody expected to find nobody. So verse 2, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Now I love, I love how John kind of inserts himself into this, you know. I, I love this. He writes himself into the story, the one that Jesus loved. Doesn't even name himself. And I think this was John's way of saying to the other disciples, now God may love you, but you realize I'm his favorite. Right? Come on. The one that Jesus loved. Yeah. Anyway, Mary sees an empty tomb. And she runs all the way back to the city to find Peter and John. And she's panicked because something's happened to Jesus' body. And Peter and John, they aren't up early. They haven't had their Starbucks yet. Caffeine hadn't kicked in, you know. And they didn't go to the tomb. And you know why they didn't go to the tomb? They were afraid. They were afraid. Because they knew that the authorities came for Jesus and they knew within reason that the same authorities that came for Jesus were going to end up coming for them too. So Peter and John were hiding. They were hiding. They were laying low at home when Mary burst through the door. And remember, she's not shouting, he's risen, he's alive. No, instead she says, verse 2, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Now Mary knew that Jesus had a lot of enemies. Those enemies hated Jesus so much that they lied about him. They paid false witnesses to, to, to accuse him. Uh, uh, and not to, just to have him imprisoned and killed, but they had him tortured. They had him crucified on a cross. Mary knew like Peter and John knew that if his enemies and when his enemies discovered that Pilate had allowed someone to take Jesus' body and actually bury it properly, it would not be beyond them at all to hire somebody to break into that tomb, take the body, and completely desecrate it. The last thing that Jesus' enemies wanted was for a tomb where he was buried to become a shrine where people gathered, people paid the respects, and they tried to keep his memory and, yes, even his mission alive. So when Mary saw the empty tomb... She assumed the worst, just like most of us would. I mean, Jesus, she's seen him taken as a prisoner, condemned in a mock trial, brutally beaten and crucified. And now, somebody's stolen his body. And Peter and John, they don't know how to make sense of it all. So they get up and run out the city gate to the place where Jesus was buried. And they looked inside to that empty tomb. And sure enough, 
There's no body there. And in that moment, they don't know what to think. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to believe. Yet neither of them is thinking that Jesus has come to life. Say it with me again. Nobody was expecting to find no body. Say it again. Nobody was expecting to find no body. And at the same time, Mary slowly makes, she makes her way back to the tomb. She didn't know what to do, think, or believe either. Verse 11 says, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And I can just see Mary sobbing. And just think what might have been running through her mind. This man changed my life. Jesus was the greatest man that that ever lived. He touched people that nobody else would touch. He, He listened to people and spent time with people that nobody else would spend time with. And he was crucified. And now they won't even leave his body alone. God, why didn't you come through? And this is so powerful. Verse 11. She wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Only Mary Magdalene doesn't know that they're angels. And these angels ask her a question, and it resolves a century-old question. Are angels male or female? Verse 13, they ask her, woman, Why are you crying? That is conclusive proof that angels are male because only a man would ask a woman, why are you crying in a moment like this? Right? Come on. Anyway, so they say to her, woman, why are you crying? Listen to what Mary says. She's heartbroken. She is in the middle of this gut-wrenching drama. And she laments. She says in verse 13, they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they've put him. And then she hears something stirring behind her. And here's where the story gets really good. Verse 14. At this she turned around and, and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Can you imagine? Maybe it was still dark. You know? And she just really couldn't see his face. You know, maybe he looked different. Maybe she's just so convinced that he's dead. I'm I'm not sure. But she didn't recognize him. She sees him. And so she just turns back around and keeps staring right into that empty tomb. And it just makes me think. How many times in the darkest moments of our lives. Does Jesus show up and we don't even recognize him? We don't even see him. He's right there. And I think Jesus has a huge grin on his face. He knows that Mary is literally just moments away from something that is totally unexpected. And with her back to him, 
Jesus asked Mary the same question the angels asked. And I wonder if he had to choke back some emotion himself. Verse 15, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you seek? Who are you looking for? And what happens in that next moment? John reveals and he writes that, that Mary, thinking he was the gardener, okay? That's what it says in verse 15. Thinking he was the gardener, okay? Now, why'd she think he was the gardener? Because, say it with me, nobody expected to find nobody. That's why she thought he was a gardener. Even when they were staring into an empty tomb, no one thought Jesus was alive. They'd seen him die. They expected him to stay dead. So Mary thinks he's the gardener and says in verse 15, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Mary, still staring into that empty tomb, she's talking to this gentleman over her shoulder. And then I love this. Jesus says, Mary. Mary. Can you imagine the look on her face when she hears Jesus call her name? Can you imagine the shock as she Finally understands. Can you hear her whisper as she turns her head? Jesus. And the scripture says she turned him and cried out in verse 16, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she's she's overcome with emotion. She's stunned. This was totally unexpected. Just like Jesus had done the unexpected in her life before, here he was doing the unexpected again. And suddenly everything changes. Verse 17, go, says, I've got some instructions for you here. Go instead, my brothers, and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. In other words, Mary, I know you've already been to the city once, but I need you to go back to the city again. And this time, you aren't going to tell them that there is no body. This time, you are going to have a completely unexpected message. And so verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now let me tell you why this is such a big deal. Because in the first century, a woman's credibility to testify was zero, zilch, nada. Women did not have a voice. They could not testify in court. Yet when Jesus rises from the dead, he chooses as his first witness a woman. And if you're trying to fabricate a story that you want people to believe in ancient times, you would not have had a woman to be your primary witness. But all four 
gospel writers tell us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four tell us that the women saw Jesus first and then told the men, I have seen the Lord. The women saw Jesus first and then told the men, and as it has been, it continues to be. Thank you, ladies. I thank I am thankful for all the ladies who've spoken into my life and made such a difference. All the godly voices and women. All the churches I've served over the years. Sorry, fellas, we wouldn't have got half of it done if it weren't for the women. Just saying. Jesus is alive. Death has been overcome. Mary expected a crucified friend, you know, a borrowed tomb to mourn alone. Remember? That unexpected ending that she thought on Friday became an unexpected beginning on Sunday when Mary found what nobody expected, and that was to find nobody. What she got in the resurrection was an unexpected beginning, and all of our lives can have unexpected beginnings too because of the resurrection. We live, friends, in an Easter world. The stone's already been moved and Jesus is risen. But Mary lived in a Good Friday world where all hope seemed lost. How many times do we feel like we're living in a Good Friday world, though? When all hope seems lost. I'm talking about those unexpected things in our lives that happen that feel like endings. Something unexpected in your marriage. It was once amazing, strong, but now it feels hopeless. And maybe you're emotionally far apart. Not sure you'll ever be able to come back together again. Or maybe it's something unexpected in your career and things have gone from bad to worse and you just can't find the light at the end of the tunnel. Or maybe it's something with your health and, and, and you've gotten a word from a doctor that, that, that's not good and you feel a sense or a loss of, of hope. Or it could be something unexpected in your finances. You're not sure exactly how it is you got here, but you feel like that you're absolutely buried and you don't know how to get out. Or, or maybe it's something unexpected in your relationship. Something is fractured and broken and, and you're worried that they're beyond repair. Or maybe it's your, your family, your kids, your grandkids. You've prayed. You're worried. You've invited. You've checked in. No matter how hard you try, they seem to keep running from you and from God. In our minds, intellectually, we know that we live in a world where Jesus was resurrected and there's hope. But man, sometimes there are just some days where it feels like Good Friday. And there are some days, friends, that we live and act as though... He has not risen. 
There are others of us who, who feel like Mary, maybe for another reason, if you're honest. Didn't realize that anything had started. Maybe you're, you're here today and, and, and you're really not looking for Jesus. Every day feels like Good Friday. Because you didn't even realize that there is a resurrection. I'm here to tell you that Jesus has come. Jesus has come and life will never be the same again because He is risen. And our lives do not ever have to be the same again because He's risen. Your best days are not behind you. They're ahead of you because of what Jesus did on the cross. You can choose a different day. You can choose to be a part of a different story because of what Christ has done. You may not be looking for Him, but He's looking for you. He is pursuing you. And my favorite part about Mary experiencing the the unexpected in this moment is when Jesus said her name, Mary. She heard her name and she finally figured out what she wasn't able to see all along. It definitely wasn't what she expected. As a matter of fact, it was wholly unexpected. And friends, today, if you only hear me say one thing today, hear this, please. Hear this. Jesus is calling your name. He's calling your name. Maybe you think it's all over. Maybe you didn't even know you could have a new story. Again, maybe you didn't come here today looking for Jesus, but I want you to know He is looking for you. He is pursuing you. And He's calling your name. He wants to give you an unexpected beginning today, right now. And I am challenging you. I am begging you to not leave this place today without that gift. This season that we're celebrating, it's the most important moment in human history. It is literally the pinnacle of the divine story, the moment that God came in the flesh into this world and He took our place on the cross through His Son Jesus and all of the sins of all mankind, all of the evil, all of the things that you have ever done, thought or otherwise, were nailed to that cross, crucified and forgiven. That's an amazing beginning. And while he's on that cross, Calling your name. Jim, 
take a moment to just think about that. That Jesus is calling my name. That the God of the universe is calling out my name. And in that instant, I, I feel just a little bit of that exhilaration that I think that Mary must have experienced in the garden that day when she heard Jesus call her name. But Mary didn't just hear her name. She responded and she cried out, Rabboni, teacher, Jesus. Jesus is calling out your name. But he asks, will you call out my name? Will you call out my name? Jesus. There's power in that name. There's forgiveness in that name. There's hope and life in that name. And all he asks you to do is to trust him. To turn away from your old life and your old habits. That's called repentance. And you turn toward Jesus. And you call on His name. Today will you call on the name of Jesus. Maybe you've called on His name a thousand times or thousands of times. And maybe you're sitting here today and you know that you have never called on Him before to save you. To forgive Either way, he invites us to embrace the expected and the unexpected and call on his name. And that's what I want to do as I close out this message. I want us to give a loud and a confident answer. I want us to answer, will you call out my name, Jesus says. I want you to say his name with me, Jesus. Say it with me again. Jesus, call on his name. Jesus, cry out to him. Jesus, Jesus. Will you pray with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As Jesus is inviting us to call on his name. This is an opportunity today to identify directly with his death, burial, and his resurrection. And today there are some of you, in the sound of my voice, who have never called on Jesus to save you. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you as the praise team sings this morning, I'm going to ask you to get up from your seat and I'm going to ask you to walk down this aisle and I'm going to be here and there'll be other pastors and others here to pray with you but if you have never called on the name of Jesus to save you, I want to invite you to come and do that today because I want you to not leave this place today without that hope I want you to pass from death to life, from burial to resurrection I know there are others of you who have called on his name this is a time and a moment 
where we can call on his name in a very unique way. There are elements here, bread, juice, signifying the body and blood of Jesus. We call it communion. This morning we just invite you, if you want to come, and to speak his name, Jesus. And just thank him. And remember what he's done for you. I invite you to come and do that today. This altar's open. There may be somebody that you know. Somebody that you know who's lost and far from God. Somebody that you know, that you love, who does not have hope. Who if they walked into eternity today, they may be walking in without Jesus. But maybe you want to come and pray for that person. Cry out to Jesus on their behalf. Whatever it is.